Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. Last week, uh, Rick shared about the gospel of grace, and we're going to continue on with that today and next week. But it was really bouncing out of the series and the book of Mark where we looked so closely at the life of Jesus from all sorts of different angles. And the last week of the book of Mark, in the very last verses in chapter 16 there, he says that we're to go into the world and preach the gospel, the gospel of God's grace, that we are now to, to take this message just as Jesus lived that message and gave it to the disciples. And then he says, now you take this message and you go out into the world and preach the message of Jesus. Jesus, who we just heard about. He lives within us. We are now the, full of the spirit of Jesus and we are to take that message to the, to the world and preach that gospel. I want to share um, from Acts chapter 2 and we're going to just pick on one little verse from Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 48. But we'll read this firstly. It just gives us a nice picture of what the, the, the church is to be, who we are as the body of Christ. It says there that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts and praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And today I want us to focus on this last little bit I separated at the bottom there. And it says, and read it with me, church. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's like a cause and effect thing here. And I wonder if this is like that, remember that lesson in science we learned? Every action has an opposite and equal reaction, right? It's that cause and the effect thing. And I kind of think about that from school. All those years ago now, I was thinking about how there's a cause. When you do something, this will happen. When you press that button, that's going to happen. There's kind of that cause and effect thing happening here. And I wonder if in the same way, being that church that we read about there, being that following that cause, because that's our cause, we are that body of Christ. And doing that will have this effect. And the Lord will add to their number daily those who are being saved. It's the cause and the effect. Can you see that? Thank you, Harry. Can you see that, church? <laughs> we can all see it, I hope. And, it's, and you, so you can see if with this cause, we have this cause of being devoted to the fellowship and to the reading of God's breaking of bread and the, to the word and to prayer and to fellowship and being in each other's homes and sharing meals and letting the love of God shed abroad in our hearts and communicate that with each other and, and go deep into relationships and let masks come off and life gets real. And all of a sudden we've got this incredible body of Christ, an incredible church. That's our cause. And if we could just be that church, then this could be the effect, the cause and the effect. When the church is really being that church, I think it's the most attractive, the most irresistible, the most dynamic, the most contagious group of people that could exist on the earth because we really are bringing hope to a hopeless world. And when that community is around, which we could be, and we could see, people could see a group like that in action, 
being that church, following that cause, allowing that power of that risen Jesus Christ to live in and through us, then the effect is that God could save them. God could bring them in. It's kind of like that viral growth on the internet, isn't it? You think about people, you know, so people see something, they like it, they press like, and then they share it, and it gets spread across all through the networking sites, and it spreads quickly, and it becomes viral. And I've seen some really stupid things go viral, true? Really crazy stuff. You think, why has that gone viral? What is it that people like about that? And they're sharing that kind of thing. Imagine if Creekside Church with a cause like this could take that really seriously and live that and take that cause into our hearts. What could be the effect if we could do that? That's what happened in the book of Acts. It was like a real life social networking. The believers, they knew their cause. They were freshly filled with the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden they had an effect. The Lord added to their numbers daily those being saved. But what was God doing? Well, behind the scenes, the Holy Spirit was doing something amazing. He was preparing the hearts of everyone by what we call provenient grace. Can we all say that? Provenient grace. He was working on their hearts and he was doing what he does best by his provenient grace. The apostles, they were then taking that. The Holy Spirit's already working away. Provenient grace is the grace that comes before salvation. The grace that comes before salvation its saying we are saved by grace, but the Holy Spirit's already working in our hearts by his grace, stirring our hearts and preparing the way for us to come to saving grace. True? And so that way God gets all the credit too, because he's the one that brings us to salvation. Then he's the one that saves us and his grace is what keeps us walking with him. His spirit is already working in our lives by his provenient grace. So he's stirring all the people. He's taken the apostles, they've been filled with the Holy Spirit, and now they're preaching the gospel to people who've already been stirred by the provenient grace. And this is why the Lord is adding to their number daily those being saved. There was this viral growth that began the church and has continued throughout centuries. In fact, 25 million new Christians every year worldwide. It's the fastest growing religion in the world. Christianity has one-third of the world's population today. Six billion people, there's two billion Christians. It's the largest religion in the world. It's approximately 68% larger than the second largest religion, which is Islam. Did you know that? And it's 246% larger than the largest, the next largest religion, which is Hinduism. So Jesus himself began this revolution 2,000 years ago that continues on today and has been and done something that no one else has ever done. Isn't that amazing? And that's why this verse always excites me. The Lord added to their number daily those being saved, and he's still adding to his church daily now people being saved. Why is that? Because he's still having an effect. People still follow in the cause, and he's still having an effect. There are still people being saved every day and add to the church. But to do that, I guess we need to understand what's God's part and what's our part in seeing people saved and added to his church. And the first answer I have for you here is what is our part. And our part is nothing. We have nothing to do with that. The second answer I want to give you is we have everything to do with that. We have nothing to do with it and 
we have to do everything we can because we have a big part to do with it. And today I want to tell you that you can do nothing. And then I'm going to tell you that you can do everything. Okay. Let me explain to you why I believe you can do nothing. Why is that? It's because, it's very simple, it's because it says, the Lord added. You don't add them, I don't add them, you don't save them, I don't save them. It's simple here. The Lord added. Troy didn't save them, the Lord added. It says to me that I don't do anything in the process of them being saved, in the spiritual transformation, in the miracle of salvation. It's all the work of God doing that. It's all about Jesus from start to finish. Jesus came from heaven to earth. Jesus came he to seek and save the lost. He was the one who paid the price for our sins. He was the one who gave a sacrificial death. He was the one who provided perfect redemption for our sins and made a way for us to have eternal life, to take care of our sins, past, present and future. I didn't do any of that. Jesus did all of that. I didn't die to save you. Did you die for anyone to save them? No. You know how I know that? Because you're all sitting here alive and well. (laughs) And I know that because we're all sinners. We're all sinners and none of us are perfect. And we've all fallen short of God's glorious standards. And we all need a saviour. And I'm not your saviour. Jesus is your saviour. And those of us who believe in Jesus are all saved by him, not by me. The Bible teaches us that there is no other grounds for salvation from sin except through Christ. It's Jesus who saves. It's his job. No other religious leader can offer you salvation the way Jesus offers us salvation from our sins. Every other religious leader and every other of every other religion that exists apart from Christianity have a few things in common. The founder is dead or is going to die if they're one of the new religious movements around. And their beliefs are man-inspired. Christ is the only one who will live for eternity because he is the one true living God who rose up from the dead. And that is what sets Christianity apart. He is the true living God. And it's out of his love for us, his pure and love, unconditional, sacrificial love, that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, who we just looked into his eyes on the screen. That he came to atone for our sin and every individual on this planet can now walk with that salvation from all throughout history. And it's his will that none would perish, no, not one, in their sins, but that all would come to him and find forgiveness and find eternal life through his salvation. He wants you and he wants all six billion people on the planet, and I think there's more than that now, living today to receive his grace and to be saved and to be added into his family, the church, the body of Christ that we read about there. He wants all of them which means there's around 4 billion people today on the planet who are headed into a Christless eternity, and that's a tragedy because that's not God's will. But you understand that it's not my job to save them. That's God's big job to save them. Jesus is the one who saves. 
And as you know, being saved is a very personal thing. It's between you and it's between the Lord. And he's been courting you by his spirit. Like when you go after a girl that you like or a guy that you like, you know. I've been courting someone the last 18 months. You know that. She's sitting there in the front row. I've been wooing her for 18 months, just like the Holy Spirit is wooing us. He's drawing us close. He's trying to build a relationship. And then over time, you fall in love. And over time, you get to that place like yesterday when, when I took her out and blew her away and I asked her to marry me. And, and she said, what do you think she said? Yes. <laughs> That's like God's spirit, it's provenient grace. His spirit is wooing us. He's calling us. He's drawing us into relationship with himself. It's a grace that goes before salvation. It's what leads into relationships. It leads to commitment where you surrender your life, where you give into it, where you fall into that deeper loving relationship and receive salvation, connection, and, and, and eternal life. And he is courting you. You may not have come to that place, but the Spirit is working in your life like that right now. He's, he's wooing, he's stirring you, he's allowing you to go to the bottom of the pit sometimes and to the miry clay where he's got to reach out with his long arm and take you and you've got to reach up and take his and he's going to pull you out of miry clay and set your feet on solid ground again where you can be saved. That's what he's doing by his provenient grace. It's the grace that goes before being saved is a gift, and you've got to choose to receive that gift. You've got to choose. If you be prompted first by that Spirit, by the ministry of the Spirit wooing you and calling you, but then you've got to choose to surrender and give in to it. You've got to choose to say yes, like Mia said yes, everyone. And if all of that provenient grace stuff is messing with your head a bit because you're thinking this is too deep, it sounds like a theology lesson, let me give you some doctrine. Open your mind for a second. We believe that when man repents of his sin and believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he in, the, in that moment is justified and regenerated and adopted into the family of God and assured of his salvation through the witness of the Spirit. And we believe that we are accounted righteous before God only on the basis of the merit of the Lord and the Saviour Jesus Christ being justified by faith alone and not on the basis of our own works. We believe that regeneration is that work of the Holy Spirit by which is performed in the sinner where we become a child of God. This new life is received through faith in Jesus Christ and by it the regenerate is delivered from the power of sin which reigns over all the unregenerate so that they, they can love God through grace, that, that we could serve God through grace with the will and the affection of the heart receiving the spirit of adoption. Did you get all that? That's just a little bit. That's what God's doing behind the scenes, everyone. And we don't even know all about that stuff sometimes. We just don't even understand the full gamut of what God's doing. That's the Holy Spirit. This is why salvation is God's job. It's a big job. I can't do any of those things. Jesus does it all. You can't do it. I can't do it. I can't add anyone into this church, into the body of Christ, Jesus is the, the Spirit of God, is the master evangelist. 
I'm not the evangelist. The Spirit is already evangelizing this whole community. He's at work. Isn't that amazing? He is wooing everyone at Carmichael College. He is calling everyone in this place and our neighbours and our friends. His spirit is already working. And a couple of weeks ago, we stood here and we put names on the, the board of people we're praying for. We're saying, God, you call them. You do your work. You, Lord, I'll preach the gospel like you said. That's about all I can do. I'll preach the gospel. That's my part. But your part, Lord, is salvation. You do it all. And I know the Spirit is doing that work and He's calling just like He called in my, my life when I was 17 years old and I gave in and surrendered. And I said, yes. Have you said yes? Sometimes we've got to open our ears and listen to that Spirit. Sometimes it's a still small voice and you've got to just open up and humble your heart and listen. And... Um, Sometimes you go open your ears and listen. And, and he is, he's sometimes screaming at us and we still don't listen. We still don't get it. All right, remember I had another answer to this question. The first answer was that I do nothing. The second answer was I do everything. I do everything I can. So on the one hand, I do nothing. On the second hand, I have everything to do with people being added to the church. All right, well, what I mean by this is that God has one plan. It's plan A. Plan A. It doesn't have kind of like a plan B for this. He said it at the end of Mark. He said it in the end of Matthew, right before Jesus left. He, he says, go into the world, preach the gospel. He commissioned us. And Matthew used the words, go and make disciples of all men, nations, baptizing them into the fellowship. He commissioned us. We're sitting here today because people have been following that commission throughout the centuries. Praise God. Otherwise, the message would have got lost because we are plan A, church. We are plan A. There is no plan B. That's what he gave us, the plan. And the plan is that we build the church, the body of Christ, where we pull together and be the body of Christ together, his hands and feet. And we'll just remind you, we finished off the book of Mark there, where Jesus said, go into the world, preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptised will be saved. Praise God. Just notice it doesn't say that I saved them or you saved them. Jesus saves. I think we've been clear on that. So we're to begin by preaching the good news and preaching Jesus' salvation, the full gospel. We're going to, next week, I'm going to pull apart the full gospel for you. We're going to say, what are the five ingredients of the full gospel? I'll give you a sneak peek. Sin, righteousness, judgment, Jesus as Saviour, Jesus as Lord. Say it with me. Sin, righteousness, judgment, Jesus as Saviour, Jesus as Lord. I don't have a fancy, sexy acronym, I'm sorry. But if you flesh open the, the different gospel presentations and theologians have looked at the gospel and said, here is a full gospel, all these key ingredients must be present. Sin, righteousness, judgment, Jesus as Saviour, Jesus as Lord. Many times people might say, oh, you need Jesus. 
I'm trying to preach the gospel, but you don't understand the full gospel. You're not communicating the full. You need a saviour. I say, I don't know why I need a saviour. Why do I need a saviour? Because you didn't talk about sin. You didn't talk about righteousness. You didn't talk about judgment. They don't know they need a saviour. You're just telling them they need a saviour. It doesn't mean anything to them. Of course, it means something to you because you've realised, I was a sinner. And God is righteous and holy and there's this separation and that there's going to be this judgment. And someone has to pay the price, which is why I need Jesus as saviour. And he doesn't just want to give his life to me. He wants to be my Lord, Jesus as Lord, where I give my life to him. That's the full gospel. Five simple ingredients. Sin, righteousness, judgment, Jesus as saviour, Jesus as Lord. And we'll go into that in more detail next week because I want you to start to get that in your DNA. So when you're out there preaching the gospel because we've all been commissioned to preach the gospel, you can have those five ingredients in the back of your mind. And as the Holy Spirit leads, you can have those conversations and just talk about that. We'll give you some scriptures that you can memorize. When you talk about sin, you can say that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so there's, a, there's different scriptures we can memorize very quickly and have them in the back of our mind. And when you're preaching the gospel, you're able to do it. And people say, I can't preach the gospel. Yes, you can preach the gospel. You've just never been taught how to preach the gospel. So next week, I'm going to teach you how to preach the gospel. Does that sound good? And that's what we'll focus on next week. I guarantee you that the Lord is going to bring people across your path and you're going to have opportunity when you know how to preach the gospel because he's prepared you with the message and you're able to then communicate that with them and do your part in this. So we need to be prayerful and we need to be spiritually awake when God wants you to do this. He was commissioning believers to go out and build the church by doing this. And so he's given us power, as we know in the book of Acts. It says um, you will receive power, you will receive the Spirit, you will receive power to be my witnesses. And that's what he's saying. If you've got the Holy Spirit in your life, which you do if you're a Christ follower, then you have power to preach the gospel. You have everything you need to do what Jesus has asked you to do. And so we're going to learn how to do what to say, but you've got the Spirit's power behind you. And finishing up today, I want to focus our attention again on on our little faith community here at Creekside Church, which is you and me. And when it's functioning in a really biblical way like we were reading about before, we know our cause. And we know that when it's doing that, that there's going to be an effect. So if we're not seeing the effect of people being added daily, maybe not always daily, that was what was happening in the early church, but people being added regularly into the church, being saved, then we know we're not doing our cause as well as it could be. Does that make sense? That's what I can see. And because and when you do it, the cause well, it has a world-changing effect in people's lives. It changes lives. That's just what God's doing and growing, um, growing people. Imagine not having a church to belong to. Imagine what that would be like. Imagine not being part of the body of Christ. Imagine, imagine not being able to come here and be part of this crazy bunch of people here, right? Imagine what that would be. I want to ask you a question Do you think that being part of the body of Christ is is optional? Do you think it's possible to be a Christian and and not part of the body of Christ? I feel like that the two go hand in hand, right? We are part of the body of Christ when we're saved. You see, he's brought us in to his body. He didn't bring us in and separate us 
and to be out there on our own. I believe when Jesus, this idea or the notion of being saved by Jesus to then exist alone out there on your own and not be part of the body of Christ, that's completely removed from what the Bible teaches us about Christianity. And you hear it all the time, oh, I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe in the church. I believe in Jesus, but I got hurt by the church, and so I don't go to church. I don't believe or follow the church. You know, I do agree that we've cut ourselves off, at the, shot ourselves in the, in the feet and pulled the rug out from under us in many ways. Leadership have done the wrong things over the years and created those sentiments. But that's unfortunate because it's not true. It's not what it's meant to be. The church needs healing in that way. If you were to try and explain to the apostles back in the early church, this whole, this whole notion that exists, so you hear people say that, that, well, you believe you could be saved and that you feel that it's perfectly okay to exist in an isolated individual Christian life apart from being a part of the church body today. I think you would look into the eyes of the apostles and see bewildered people staring at you going, what are you even talking about? Paul spent so much of his energy reminding the believers that they're called to be saints together with all those who have been set apart and baptised into one body, the church. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, for we were all baptised by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. He further tells us in 1 Corinthians, believers, he says that they have been given the gifts of the Spirit into their life for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. So when you receive the Holy Spirit, the Bible says you receive spiritual gifts. And the purpose of a spiritual gift is to build up the body of Christ. It's saying you are to be part of the church. And God has always been in the business of calling people to be set apart in community for himself, among whom he can dwell and through whom he can reveal more of himself to the world that he loves. In the book of Acts, when someone accepted the call of salvation in their life, when someone accepted the call and repented of their sins and were baptised, they didn't just get a handshake from the apostles and a good luck on your way out there in your Christian life. Go out into the world out there and do it on your own. No, in Acts 2, 37, 41, it tells us that believers were added to their number. They were welcomed into the body, the body of Christ, to be spiritually nurtured, to be loved, to be part of that community that we read about there. The two cannot be separated, church. And I want to finish with this as we get ready for communion. Worship team can come. There are two parts, God's part and my part. God's part is that he saves them, he adds them to the church. My part is that I preach the gospel, that I live this gospel, that I build this church community together with love and unity with you. One that, a church that is committed to that cause so that we could see God have that effect. 
where the whole community around us would sense that God is doing something, that God is at work in those people's lives. The Holy Spirit is working, that He is drawing them in. And the Lord is adding daily those who are being saved. The Lord is adding daily those who are being saved. Today I preach the full gospel for you. Next week, we're gonna learn how to preach the full gospel in 30 seconds, and then in a minute or two, and then sharing your testimony and all the different things you can do to communicate this amazing message of Jesus. I want you to be equipped, I want you to be empowered, I want you to be prepared and ready to do your part. God has done His part and He's doing His part, but I want you to be ready to do your part. And I wanna be ready too. Let's take our communion cups, please, and open that now. If you don't have one, please raise your hand because um, Andy's here. He'll bring one around for you. I think I need one too, please. Thanks. And we'll bring one up for the worship team. You guys got one? Let's get some up the front here for the worship team too. I want us to all take this because the communion is the the body of Christ, being the body of Christ. It's remembering Jesus, the one who has made us the body. And as we eat this wafer, representing the body of Jesus, I want us to remember we are the body of Jesus now for the world today. Okay. Let's eat this and think about Jesus and remind yourself, I am now the body of Christ. I'm part of the body of Christ, the church. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. And then we will take this juice and we'll remember the sacrificial death of Jesus. We'll remember the blood that was shed to cover us, to not only cover our sins as it was in the Old Testament, but literally remove our sins from us. Our sins are not just covered, church. Our sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Let's drink this and remember that we've been purified whiter than snow by the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the work you've done, Lord. Thank you for your spirit wooing us, calling us deeper. Your provenient grace is a beautiful thing. Your provenient grace at work all around the world. We pray for our world. We pray for the 4 billion non-Christians all headed for Christless eternity right now. Lord, we pray you help us as the church globally to learn what it means to preach the gospel, to go into the world and make disciples. It wasn't a commissioning to just the pastors or just the leaders. That was for all believers. Help us, Lord, take that command, take that commissioning seriously learn how to do it and get out there 
and take your message of love and grace and hope to a world so desperately in need of love and hope, salvation. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand together and we'll sing that Build My Life again.